I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. So Celtic are out of the Europa League after a 3-2 loss to Bayer Leverkusen last night. Welcome along to the Huddle Breakdown and a call here with you. And I'm joined on the line, as always, by Juco James and Alan Morrison. Lads, how are we getting on? Hi, Andy. Hi, Hi James. I'm, 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 hey, guys. I'm exhausted from playing uh, Chef Boyard Dummy yesterday. Uh, yeah, so, Thanksgiving. So, so was, uh, you, was your Thanksgiving spent watching the Celtic game or watching the uh, NFL? Actually, so I had a bit of a, a revolt on my hands at the house because I was, uh, I, I tried to put the Rangers game on after the Celtic game. And um, my dad was ready to go to, you know, go to blows over it. Uh, <laughs> so <right. laughs> I, there wasn't anything, no issue with the, uh, the Celtic game because the competing NFL game was absolute garbage. Um, not a good one. So the second game was a little bit of, of greater interest. So I relented. I only got to see a, a little bit of the uh, uh, Rangers game. And then we sat down to eat anyway. You usually eat a little earlier on Thanksgiving just so you can have a second meal and dessert and get completely <laughs> ridiculously fat. And, uh, you know, I, caloric intake is usually like uh, three, four, five thousand. That's the. And then you end up in a comatose of. Uh, I think it's called tryptophan or whatever from Turkey. So everyone like, you know, by about seven thirty, everyone's laid out and snoring and drooling on themselves. It's a what a great American tradition. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Listen, so <laughs> it's, it's, it's the closest that you have to culture. So listen, we'll, we'll give you a pass. <laughs> <laughs> so. As I mentioned, Celtic are out of the Europa League after that result. It looked for a while that they could have been setting up a nice little last game in the group stage with Real Betis, but not to be after uh, two late goals from Bayer Leverkusen give them a 3-2 lead. Celtic were in the lead after Jota's, uh, has to be said, lovely goal um, and Juranovic's penalty. They went 2-1 up and they were really in control of the game for some parts of the game until up until about 20 minutes to go. We'll start with... I think what what I feel is the talking point from this game, and that is Ange Postacoglu's substitutions. So, as Celtic were were two one up, they did make a couple of substitutions, and I'm not too sure they worked. But I'm interested to get your thoughts on it. So, for those who weren't watching the game or forget what the substitu- substitutions were. Uh, James Forrest came off for Lila Bada on 70 and 72 minutes, as did uh, Jota, who uh, was replaced by Mikey Johnson. 
Near Beaton was replaced by James McCarthy on 76. That might have been an injury more than anything. And that was a double sub- substitution as well. Uh, Kyogo Furuhashi coming off for uh, Albion Ayeti. So, Alan, I'll, I'll let you take this question first. Was that the right call from Ange to make those substitutions? For me, I don't think I would have taken off Jota at that point. Okay. So, uh, to carry on the uh, Thanksgiving theme and the American football theme, there's an awful lot of Friday morning quarterbacks on this one. Um, really, I can't get excited about it because people are kind of reacting to me on the outcome, not the actual decision that was made at the time, right? I, Bitton was injured. He had a head knock. What's more concerning about that is that there's a continuation of the theme of Celtic players getting head blows during games and then not immediately being taken off and then having to go off. Um, you know, this happened to Lustig, people may recall, a while back. And to me, that's a failure of protocols. They, should, they, should be, um, they shouldn't be getting into that situation. So Bitton was injured, had to go off. You know, Forrest um, hasn't played 90 minutes since August. Uh, so it was always going to be a candidate to be taken off. Uh, uh, Kyogo um, ran and pressed in his usual inimitable style. He averages 74 minutes a game when he was taken off on the 72nd minute, so pretty routine in that regards. And then, yeah, okay, Jota, but again, really Jota hadn't been in the game, apart from his wonderful goal, he hadn't actually been in the game that much. So I, I don't, I honestly struggle for anyone to say that the, at the time of the substitutions, that they had a massive issue with them. Now, did the players that come on actually perform? No, you know, all of them lost the ball. Uh, you know, Abada especially had a really bad time of it. Johnson's mm. decision making was all over the place. I think yes, he tried manfully, but you know, again, couldn't impose himself on it. I think McCarthy was the probably the disappointing one. Um, but again, that's probably you know, you, you, you may have made an argument for sorrow, but I think my guess is that. Postico was already made up his mind about Sorrow and McCarthy he's kind of stuck with. So that 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 kind of makes sense to me in that in that regard. So I, I don't I don't I can't get excited about that issue. To me, that wasn't the most concerning part of the, the evening. Um mm-hmm. and I and I can't attribute losing the game to that because I think that's just playing with hindsight, frankly. Yeah. So I guess if you put yourself in the head of Ange Postacoglu. Leila Bada comes on because James Forrest is is tired. He hasn't played enough games and he adds a bit of uh, oomph to the team. I, I would presume Mikey Johnson was brought on for to replace the pressing that, you know, Kyogo would have been, we would have been lo- losing with Kyogo a few minutes later when he takes on Albina Jetty. So I, I think on, on paper, they make sense. They just didn't work out um, no. for me. And Agreed. it is a, I do, I do think it is a, a big step down in quality between Mikey Johnson and Jota, that's I think you're getting more composure on the ball. Like Mikey Johnson lost the ball a couple of times. He had a good chance and he just stumbled before he got the shot away. And you're not getting that with Jota. I think you're not. You're just not getting those mistakes. James, what did you think? Are you in a similar mind to Alan where you feel that this wasn't a huge issue in the game? Yeah, so we've talked about this issue of um, less bad options. So interesting enough, a lot of the narrative I heard coming into this game was we should be focusing on Sunday. The league's more important. Uh, the likelihood of us getting through to the out of into the uh, knockout stage in Europa League was pretty daunting anyway. Going into this game, um, so you know 
should we be flogging these guys on a Thursday ahead of a big league game um, with what we know are the injury risks that we've already been incurring um, the, the brunt of and with the squad depth the way it is. So if you think, if you kind of step back, I think strategically here, um, and it, this is without a, ha- having any understanding or knowledge of what their, you know, what their data that they're getting off of their catapult bras is saying. Um, so again, I, I don't think most supporters understand the level of which uh, some of this fitness related stuff is being monitored and um, potentially modeled. We'll see. I don't know uh, how much Celtics actually doing that, but uh, dealing with risk factors, meaning that if a guy's um, fatigued, injury risk goes up a lot. And, um, you know, you could make the argument that, uh, you know, given, as Alan said, with, with Forrest reintroduction into the squad, uh, with Kyogo coming off of an injury still and having played a lot and his style of play, um, you know, do you want to be rolling the dice when you're up two one, you know, I think that's, it's an indictment of what's going on with the rest of, uh, the club with recruitment and such that we had such a, uh, you know, drop off in, in quality in, in, uh, who, who was coming on. Meaning that I, I think strategically the decision-making made sense to me, um, you know, given the lack of quality to come in like for like, you know, do you accept that risk and maybe dropping points that you might've gotten in a group that you may not have qualified for anyway, <laughs> versus, injury risk and fatigue risk heading into a big league game on, on Sunday. So I generally agree with Alan. I mean, I think it's overblown. Um, I think for the game itself, of course, but yeah, there's bigger picture things here that are make the, the, the process reasonable. Well, let's talk about the other issue at hand there. And I suppose this has been a recurring theme for Celtic in Europe and largely, I think it's it's down to the, the sheer quality of the teams. I mean, if you compare Celtic to Leverkusen, it's the same as if you put a a Dundee, or not 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 so much that. It's the same as if you put it like a Saint Mirren up against Celtic. They will compete for large amounts of the game, but at some point they will get through. If the fitness isn't the same, if the the concentration isn't the same like Celtic would have had to be at their very very best to beat Leverkusen for 90 minutes plus uh, in order to to get a win away to Leverkusen and it's the same as if you take a mid-table Scottish side against Celtic they need to be at their very best for the entirety of the game to win it and Celtic don't do that regularly enough in Europe when it comes to these teams we how many times do we see Celtic take the lead in Europe and then fall away in the last 15, 20 minutes. So I'm interested to see what your thoughts are on that. Why is it that Celtic concede so many late goals or go take the lead and then go on to lose the game? It's happened a good few times over the last couple of years. Um, is it quality? Is it concentration? Is it decision-making when it comes to late on in the game? What are you, what, what's your thoughts on? I, I mean, can I, can so I interrupt? I'm sorry. Can I, I'll just real quick. I want to clarify something that Enda said just for context, because I, th- this is why I came up with all this nonsense with expected trophy models and this Jenga analogy I use, which is to try to have a, an objective framework for doing that kind of comparison. So you said St. Mirren to Celtic. I think, uh, you know, Celtic have about one third the wage bill of Leverkusen. 
Um, so, you know, St. Mirren is like 6% of Celtic, right? So there's, there's an order of magnitude here that, uh, I think a better kind of analogy, if we're going to use one would be like the 18, 19 Rangers side versus Celtic of that season. Uh, meaning that you have about 30 to 40% of the wage bill. Um, and then obviously there's a huge disparity. I mean, that, that is a disparity, but the level of disparity is, you know, Le- Leverkusen's about as close to Bayern Munich as we are to Leverkusen, right? So you kind of go up through the levels as far as wage bill disparity. And then that's why the domestic league is such a poor barometer for Celtic outside of Rangers, Rangers in the last three seasons, really, um, relative to what we confront in Europe, because it's just, yeah. it's a different order of magnitude. So I'm sorry, go yeah, ahead. I was just, I was yeah. just reaching to see. No, conceptually, I think you were right. I think yeah. it's an or- that order of magnitude I wanted to clarify because um, I, I think it's, uh, it, you know, again, if you go back to that Ranger side of 1819, the qu- relative quality over a full season is really where the trouble comes in. In a one-off yeah. game, that level of disparity, I mean, we should be doing a lot better versus a team like Leverkusen consistently is kind of my point, meaning that uh, I think the level with which we're not competing against teams there, that it's that order of magnitude that I'm talking about. So go ahead. Sorry. No, no, I mean, I, I, I agree with that. And this is why it's hard. For, it's hard for Celtic, you know, to play a team that's literally got, you know, 10% if, if less of your budget. And then to switch to playing a team that's probably going to be the third best in the Bundesliga. I mean, Freiburg having a great season, but you would ex- probably expect Leverkusen to nestle into third spot there. Um, and it, and it is, it's many things. It's all the things you listed. I mean, if we break down the goals that were conceded, um, because it, this gives you an indication of the fractions that we're talking about, the margins that we're talking about, even at this, you know, at this level, and actually at all levels, you know, we're not talking about the wage bill spending 10% more on your wage bill doesn't buy you 10% more quality. It's not linear. Okay. You know, you, 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 you can have 40, 50% more wage bill to, to probably improve your team by five to 10%. Let's say I'm making, I'm making these numbers up, but that's my, you, you get the general point here, right? So the difference in quality between even Celtic players and Leverkusen players is not enormous, but there clearly is a gap there. And, and, the, and the goals kind of highlight that in terms of both the individual players there um, you know their uh, decision making, but also the overall organisation of the team and its ability to um, respond to stressful situations. So, the first goal, you know, um, Rolson obviously gets absolutely mugged off by by Andridge. You know, he gets he gets you know taken into traffic, and uh, <laughs> and the um, sorry for those of you that are listening to this, there's some interesting background going on at James's house. There, we're not going to get into. Um, yeah, so Andridge absolutely mugs him off steers him into traffic but actually the the, the systemic problem uh which is an, indiv- it's an individual error by by rolson but the systemic problem is that, that, that you know leverkusen had cleared the front post area and celtic had two zonal players in the front post area they had uh, mcgregor uh, on in front of the six yard box and juranovic roughly in line with the post now those those that's fine and, and as, as a setup that's absolutely fine but the problem was Juranovic was probably about two to three yards too far to the right because there was such a big gap there. If he just stepped two to three, uh, two to three yards to his right, sorry, yeah, yeah, his right, um, then he would have been able to have engaged Andridge as he ran in and the header would have been about five yards further out and he would have been under pressure. Uh, and that, that slight bit of positioning 
uh, was actually what gave Andridge the opportunity to get essentially what turned out to be a free header against uh, Welsh, who was who didn't who wouldn't even have seen him coming because he came from behind mm-hmm. him. The second goal, uh, again, it's late in the game. Players are tired. You've probably got the mindset: we've got to hang on, we've got to hang on, we've got to defend. And, I, and I'm trying to put, um, motiv- I'm trying to explain motivators that are in Ralston's head, which is probably wrong of me. But I can just imagine if I was in that situation, I'd be thinking, keep the centre defended. So Ralston. Right, he's he's drifted into the middle. The ball's on the on on his left. He's drifted into the and he's, and he's gone too far. He's basically covered over overcompensated in the middle. So when the ball gets flicked over uh, to the guy on the on the Celtic left, uh, their left sorry Celtic right, he's Rawson can't close down the cutback quick enough. Then McCarthy, who's just on, is too slow to track the runner. And again, remember this is a very young, very athletic, very fit uh, you know team. And 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 those fractions have cost now two goals. And then you look at the last goal. Um, again, it's it's nearly the last minute. Everyone's tired. McGregor has been running about all game. Again, the ball get they work the ball very nicely to Wirtz, who's a fantastic player. And Wirtz um, spots Diaby. Now the reason that Diaby has got a free shot at goal is because McGregor again he's just got drawn to the ball and he's just not standing in the right place. He's literally four yards away from where he should be. He's he's got drawn to the ball when he doesn't need to because he's never going to. He's never going to affect the ball. He's, he's, there's other Celtic players that are doing that job. His job would be to to ensure that the the danger, which is free players on the edge of the box, um, are marked out. So we're talking about players being two, three, four yards out of position on each goal, causing uh, a, a massive problem. Those are tiny margins, right? And then, of course, what you can't legislate for are the superb finishes from Andrich and uh, Diaby. Diaby's finish was absolutely fantastic. To volley that ball at an angle, um, back across the goalkeeper, full volley, and to keep low and with power because it didn't even go into the corner. But Hart had no chance. The pace that the guy hit it at, those are those are top top quality finishes. So that's the difference. That is the difference at the highest level. You won't get away with being two yards out of position. You won't get away with 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 a seconds late reaction. And when you do give a chance, those the technique is so good that they will take those chances. Mm-hmm. This is the huddle breakdown. We're looking at the Bayer Leverkusen win against Celtic. Celtic now out of the Europa League. A couple of questions coming in, a couple of comments coming in on YouTube as well. Um, there are a few that I'm not sure that I agree with uh, per se. Some of them, some people saying that wage bill is no indi- indicator of quality. I think you will find there have been many, many studies that show you that wage bill is one or first or second in the most important aspects of whether or not a club is successful or not. Uh, James, I know you have that to hand. You're on mute, James. Depending on the study, I mean, again, there's some variance here, but between 80 to 90% um, yeah. is is basically what, if, if you kind of look Explainability, at Explainability, you mean? Explainability of results, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there's, and again, that's why I've talked about kind of this, silly concept of an expected trophies model that I dreamed up over the last year is how do you attribute club level performance? Um, and, and that's where wage bills kind of in that 80, 90%. And then you get into quality of players recruitment, right? So if you think about what that within the Celtic context, you know, the amount of money that's being spent has gone down. The wage bill has been cut. We don't know exactly how much, but it's, I, I think it's likely to have been material given the exits that we had, you know, the expense of Duffy, the wage that Brown was probably on 
you know, you go all through the exits versus the entry, the enters, the entries, and uh, the likelihood is that the wage bills down. So if you think about, you know, what that would mean relative to performance, that's a, that's a hit, so to speak. Then mm-hmm. it's recruitment. Then it's how does the manager leverage those assets or those players within the context of what he has to work with. And that's why I think as, as positive as a lot of people have been on Ange, I think they're probably underestimating how much of a difference he's made um, oh, gotcha. be, because he's got a lot less quality materials to work with. And a lot of it's been incoherently recruited. Mm. So the fact yeah, that you, we're even you, doing what we're doing is almost miraculous um, given the, what he's been dealt yeah, you don't want to say that it's the only reason that Leverkusen beat us. Because if you look at wage bill, like Manchester United have one of the biggest wage bills in, in England, but none of the parts make that together and they don't have a manager they can put it together. So it is very important, but also it shows in Celtic's context against a, a Bayer Leverkusen that how important Ange has that he has been able to bring the levels closer uh, by what he was able to do, because Celtic got beat four 0 by Leverkusen last time round, and this time round it looked like Celtic were going to win it up until the eighty minute, eighty like seventy ninth minute mark. Well, sorry, James. Sorry, James. If you look at the actual performance and the issues that Celtic, not just in this performance, but the issues that the Celtic team has structurally, it's remarkable that he's got us to within a few minutes of beating a team of that quality. Right? It's absolutely remarkable. You've got, you know, you've got a fullback that's horribly exposed at that level in Ralston. You've got a completely unsuitable midfield where um, you've actually managed to, in, in the last couple of games, pretty much neuter McGregor, which we all thought he was made for that eight position, but actually his influence has been negligible in the last couple of games. Um, you've got Jota and Forrest, who's, who are not suited to pressing the ball. Turnbull's probably the worst. Um you know, you've you've got Bitton who who actually had a great game. Uh, I'll come to that in more detail if you want. But he's, he's in in essence, we all can see he's too slow. If they do get bypassed, then he's not recovering, right? Um, you've got you know we, we had a really weird. The one thing I will put on Ange is that what I didn't understand from last night is why McGregor and Turnbull were playing so wide. They were they were almost on the touchline every time they got the ball, and that meant that that Jota didn't complete a pass until the 15th minute. Forrest didn't complete a pass until about the 18th minute. They didn't. They never got the ball. They couldn't get them on the ball at all. Um, and then we were too open. We're way too open. If you look at the packing stats, against, so a number of times that our midfielders were bypassed by their forward passes, 26, 28, 30 times in the first half. In the first half. Right. You're, if, you're con- if you're being bypassed literally once every, kind of more than once you know, every other minute, uh, in that midfield, then you, you're going to have to have a defence that's uh, absolutely solid, and, and we know that uh, that isn't the case. And then we come to the issue of, um, you know, the, the squad depth. So the fact to me that Postecoglou is putting together this run, and the fact that we, to me, look like a coherent, organised, good team is remarkable, given those structural mm. issues. Yeah, and I, the only I, I apologise for uh, speaking over you there, Alan. Is the um, the other thing that. You know, when, when I talk about this expected trophies and wage bills, that's over a large sample size of like a season. You know, we always talk about the variance that gets introduced in one-off games. I mean, the, actually, the underlying performance metrics for this game was not all that different than the 4-0, actually, in some ways worse, um, as you might expect going to Leverkusen, right? So I, I wrote in my thread this morning in, in some material ways, like Alan just said with pack passing, uh, now again, I don't I don't have access to his his uh, valuable metrics in that regard. What I get is 
Y scouts inferior progressive passes. And I benchmarked that and it was the second worst in our attack by that metric. And it was more, the other two games that were in that neighborhood was the five nil loss to PSG and the three nil at Bayern Munich in the 17, 18 champions league group. So uh, again, and those teams have like 70% more wage bill than, than Leverkusen. So as much as Leverkusen is a good team, you know, they're, they're, you know, kind of okay for Bundesliga standard. I mean, that they, their wage bill is the third highest and they routinely are kind of at that level or lower. They very rarely compete for what Dortmund comes in or, you know, they're not outperforming their financial metrics. They're kind of mm. doing about what you would expect. Um, so in a one-off game, as Alan said, I mean, I, we almost pulled it out, but the, there's such fine margins and variance. You know, that Jota finish, for example, was an incredible finish. You know, how often is he going to do that? How often is there going to be a lucky bounce after uh, a guy like Frimpong stumbles in the box that basically facilitated that? And then we get kind of a fortunate penalty uh, because their keeper makes a reckless flopping (laughs) uh, challenge that the ball gets deflected before it gets to him, right? Um, So if you just look at how we got those two goals, there was some positive variances, I would say, in respect to you know, um, how they came about. And that's normal within games, the game, and that's what happens Mm. in in games. So, um, yeah, a lot of these things that we talk about are anchored in long-term, and then you kind of look at the game to game. And that's why we always say, you know, XG and all these things in one-off games, they're not all that material as far as the outcomes come. It's trying to assess longer-term trends and put each performance kind of in that context. So that's mm-hmm. that's what's crazy is yesterday was 3-2. We very well could have, or and some would argue should have won it, um, versus the 4-0. And actually the difference between them from an underlying perspective was nowhere near as extreme as uh, the results would suggest. Before we get into what happens next in the Europa Conference, I do want to hear those uh, underlying numbers from this game, James, if you want to take us through them. But before that... Was it a red card for the goalkeeper? Alan, I know you've been following the the uh, referees' performances closely I've, this year. I've, I've, because he had a he had a week off because there was no league games, uh, obviously because of the league cup. So I, I actually, um, I, I sent him the. Uh, I don't know if you saw the footage of the Celtic B game where Hazard got. Yeah, sent well, him. I mean, yeah, come on. <laughs> I, I said, I, I said to him, "You love this." I, I sent him that, and he actually wrote me. It was almost like two pages. He was. He was appalled. He said, it's, 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 like, it's like something like I can't remember the exact quote, but he's like, if you wanted to make a video of how not to referee, <laughs> it's like the sort of thing it, that you would show. So he, he, he loved that. And I'll post that up actually, because uh, I know a lot of people were interested in that decision. That was that, that was like one of those glitches in FIFA where the it just, <laughs> it just like, it was like a software error, like, wasn't it? It's like, how the hell did he come to that? <laughs> he even spotted correctly that, he, that Hazard didn't even touch him that's the thing Hazard didn't even, good Willie clips you know, does one of these things where you clip your own heel and he fell over it's absolutely unbelievable anyway I, I've sent him the, uh, the the link to the UEFA highlights that's got the that incident my because I'm because I'm, I'm kind of learning a little bit I'm not I'm not I'm no way an expert but to me that would fall into the category of kind of a reckless challenge and the, the reason for that is that as the ball comes across it's perfectly reasonable for the goalkeeper to try and punch the ball away. Uh, the fact that it gets a deflection is unfortunate for him and Kyogo. Mm. 
Um, and it's, 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 it's absolutely, um, you know, reasonable for Kilgore to be going to head the ball. Now, the reckless bit is obviously the fact that he clatters into him. So he's kind of, he's probably got not quite the right, uh, you know, control at that point. But um, I think, I don't think it's an unreasonable thing to do. I think he's trying to win the ball. It's unfortunate. Okay, yeah, so that it, can, it would fall it, under it looks, it looks horrible. And, and again, you're judging on, on, on the outcome, not what the actual incident is and that's what you've got to come to know. what was the incident so i think the referee is absolutely mm. correct if you look at the laws of the game in my by my understanding but i will get this verified i, I thought it was mm. the right decision right james do you want to bring us through the numbers of the game before we move on to the conference stuff yeah so again it depends on the xg model but basically uh you know if you back out the penalty which again we always talk about why you would do that um, because of the material impact of, of a penalty kick, which again was extraordinary. I mean, both goals were real fun and uh, great finishes uh, and, and entertaining in that regard. Um, but depending on the XG model, I mean, Celtic were kind of around, let's say, a half an XG. Uh, we really only had four non penalty shots. Um, Turnbull's late was really the only other one other than the two goals that was of a material threat. Um, and that was off a really difficult finish meaning that that you know trying to half uh volley or half volley as as uh diaby showed i mean <laughs> trying to finish those crosses that are kind of thigh high um that's not an easy thing to do and i actually get it past the keeper um so yeah and then as far as conceded you know it ranged between like two and a quarter to th- to three let's say uh for for um for Leverkusen and they had 15 shots. So again, their average quality of chance was fairly high. Um, and then some of the internals, like Alan said, as far as like pack passes, progressive passes, uh, you know, possession, uh, how many times did we threaten their box, touch the ball in the box? I mean, the, uh, one metric that I, I track with again, why scouts deep completions, which is basically like a threatening pass around, uh, the opposition's box. Um, to, to put a, a, a more of a dangerous challenge. It doesn't necessarily result in a shot, but, you know, they, they had a stat on, I think, about five or six to one. I mean, we only had two of them uh, in the game. And, w- again, one of them was, uh, I think, Ralston's there late. Um, so, yeah, it was actually uh, 16 to two was, was that metric. So, again, if I benchmark all these compared to other games, as I put in my thread today, it was, it was I'm not saying it was the same. But it was closer to the type of output that we would have against kind of an elite European level team when we were under Rodgers um, than what I would characterize as, you know, like a really good performance. Now, there are aspects that were good. You know, obviously Hart had some great saves, although he um, had a really bad one, too, that went right between his legs. Um, so naturally, if you look at his kind of what, what's that? That's harsh. Well, again, so again, there, there's, I, I looked at the metrics on this. Hmm. So the, the post shot XG he faced was about two and a half and we let three goals in. Hmm. So, you know, again, he had some good things that he did, but uh, one of the things that stats bombs does is um, look at positioning before the shot and, and look at what they call position error, uh, positioning error. Uh, so, you know, where where is he positioned relative to what would be optimal given the angle of the shooter and the goal mouth? Um, so, for example, that volley that Diaby scored off of, he was, you know, probably a few feet to his left farther than he, he should have been to be optimal, okay. right? So, again, 
it, it looks like it, he shouldn't even have been close to that shot, which given his positioning, he shouldn't have been given the velocity of the shot. But had he been in a better position, kind of where he should have been, maybe he makes the save. So there's the, the, those are the kind of more advanced uh, analytical tools that you can have. Um, and, you know, so as Alan said, these, these are these are fine margins in one game. But overall, when I look at kind of a, an ensemble of these metrics, you know, we, we didn't have a lot of possession around their box. We didn't do a lot of threatening things around their box. Uh, they were bypassing our midfield, as Alan said, with regularity. I think probably the most alarming aspect is the disparity in um, athleticism between the two sides. And we've talked about that repeatedly uh, since the mm-hmm. start of the show. I mean, we're too small, we're too slow, and we don't have enough quickness. <laughs> um, and, and at that level, I mean, you see guys like, I mean, you know, Frimpong, obviously we know well, but Diaby and Verts and I mean, some of these guys that they have are just, they, they seem to be gliding on rails uh where where our guys are you know trying really hard but they just don't have that level of pace and i think you know beaton as good of a game as he had is a good example of that um even forrest now i mean forrest is a 30 year old winger who's lost probably a step and a half he's not going to have that kind of lightning speed um to, to blow past people and and um so you know we don't have that top end speed we don't have those burst guys other than maybe Kyoko through this through yeah. the middle and look that might change over the next couple well, of months so, and hopefully so. in the next hopefully in the next year or so when the recruitment starts to pick up again under Ange what this means is that Celtic are again out of the Europa League they're into the Europa Conference the potential opponents Maccabee Tel Aviv uh, it could be Flora Tallinn Partizan Belgrade or Anathorsis Famagusta that's the group B. Um, Flora, professional broadcaster and a listen, professional know, broadcaster. Getting that one out, man. Bravo. Uh, Flora, I have seen before. They played against a League of Ireland side a couple of years ago. They're not that great. Uh, Bodo Glimt or AS Roma, two very difficult fixtures that. Uh, Randers or Jablonik, we've already played Jablonik. Uh, Slavia Prague or Union Berlin which would be a very interesting game, the Union Berlin one. It would be fun anyway, because I think mm. the clubs have a, sort of a link. Uh, Slovan Bratislava or Pauk from Greece, they played against Dundalk from the League of Ireland this year to actually get into the Europa Conference. And Dundalk actually almost won that tie. They could have been in the competition instead of them. So Pauk are not all that great. Vitez or Spurs, you don't want to get Spurs. Basel or Karabag, and I would say, dare say you don't want to get Karabag either. So... Is there um is there anybody there that you would definitely not want to get bar the the likes of Spurs or um you know AS Roma? So I think Celtic have had a pretty bad run of draws in Europe. We keep getting tier you know that top tier of what we call the sort of top five leagues, the ones that get four four teams in the Champions League, um, mm. that top top five tier. Uh, which you know is largely defined by TV money income. <laughs> Back to that, um, we seem to end up in groups with even in the Europa League groups with two, two of those such. Even when we're seeded second, we end up with two, whereas other clubs uh, don't play any, <laughs> which is quite remarkable. So I think we, I think we, uh, we have had a pretty poor run in that regard. It would be nice to play a, a non-tier one team. Whatever happens, and I'm excited for it. To be honest with you. Uh, I think you know if you've been brought up, um, a lot old, you know, older than you, and uh, and uh, I've got a spreadsheet that shows, um, you know, European games over the years, 
and post post Jock Stein really stepping down, um, Celtic virtually never played European football after Christmas for until the until the Martin O'Neill era and and the structure of European football changed and, and the opportunities probably increased slightly. So for me, any football after Christmas New Year is a for Celtic is a good thing as a bonus. Um, it's a bonus given all the structural issues that we've talked about. What I can say for absolute certainty is that Postecoglou will be telling those players that they can win that that tournament, and that's yeah. the attitude. Though, that's the attitude that, that you'll that was, go into it with. That was that was that was my follow up question, I guess, James. Like, look, Spurs are going to be a different animal under Conte post Christmas. They they just will be. They will be in much better shape. Uh, Roma, I don't know about whether they will be in a better shape in a couple, well, or whether Mourinho will still even be there after Christmas. It's it's gone typical Mourinho off the last couple of years at Roma. Bodo Glimt are a, definitely a good side from what we've seen in the Conference League so far. But outside of that, is this tournament winnable for Celtic? Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you look at just the resource basis, the, you, you name the two that would be um, the obvious candidates. Outside of that, I mean, you're getting down into kind of next tier that should be below us, the exact tier that mm-hmm. we've had challenges with. They're around like the Copenhagen's, the Michelin's. So whether it's Sparta Prague, Bodo Glimt, these are teams that are outperforming in Europe relative to what the resources that they have. So they're very well run, but we have a lot more money than they do. Uh, and in theory, we should be doing better, uh, you know, as we talked about earlier um, in deploying those resources. So I think out of that next group, probably Bodo and Sparta and Vitesse are, are – the ones that would be more problematic, I think the tests, you know, probably the third of those three. Um, and then after that, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I, I would be surprised if we get drawn against any of those other teams, if, um, you know, we didn't go in heavy favorites and really should handle them. And that's even before hopefully we'll get a couple of material upgrades in the January mm-hmm. window, whether it's Maeda or hopefully somebody in midfield <laughs> we keep talking Danny about. Danny Mandry. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, and get some fitness back and maybe Julian's back by then and, and uh, Rogic is back and, um, you know, Taylor's back hopefully. So, uh, it, you know, we, we could look a lot different come February 1. Uh, than than we do now even I mean I think our current mm-hmm. iteration I would feel really confident outside of uh, maybe three or four names where I I would be you know I wouldn't be defeatist or be really really concerned going and I'd just be more like coin flip type level uh, whereas yeah. if we make those upgrades I mean I you know we should we should be confident going and hopefully yeah well I, I say Spurs will be better post Christmas. Celtic will be better post Christmas as well, like based on the evidence that we've seen so far. So, yeah, I mean, it's just a, it's a huge gap, and Conti's a good manager. Yeah, you know, the so. the only thing I would say about Spurs is whether or not they will actually give a shit about this. Well, that right. if they are competing for top four, um, that's that's the only bright spark that I can see. Will they play their B team if they? Because I mean, they they didn't do anything in this in their group stages so far that would scare you, but. If they actually want to win this competition, then they probably will and can win this competition for sure. Uh, just before we finish up, then back in the league this week against Aberdeen at home, um, hopeful of another win in the league to put a bit of pressure under Rangers and their new management side. What do we think? Go on, James. You go first. 
Yeah. So I think um, we've, I think we talked about this before. Aberdeen have some issues in, in open play. Um, they're kind of a, you know, from a quality perspective, they've got some better players than let's say a Motherwell or a St. Johnston, but they've been suffering a lot of the same issues as those two sides have. Um, and, and I think the big issue there is going to be whether or not um, we're able to limit their set piece opportunities. I think that's probably our biggest issue in that game. Um, and then we talked about this before and after the prior uh, fixture with them up in, and at Pitadri is they have some pretty good fullback play. And given how uh, reliant our attack has become on Jota, uh, you know, he struggled a little bit, relatively speaking. I mean, he still played well, but Ramsey's not, you know, your, your average SPFL level uh, fullback. So if he's fit and playing, um, you know, that, that could be something that kind of nullifies, at least on the margin, where we have been getting some of our attacking output. So I could see it being relatively close. For me, it's the big question is uh, what tactical setup do they have? Do they try and come at us a little bit, in which case we'll probably rip them apart um, in, in at least a, a, on a couple of occasions, uh, whereas if they play a little bit more cynical, defensive, narrow, and try to hit us on counter, you know, like a juiced-up Livingston, if they go more pragmatic, I would be more concerned because they do have the quality on set pieces that I think they could really be uh, problematic there. Mm-hmm. Alan, your thoughts? Yeah, I'm interested you say that because I just checked on their XG from set pieces is the fourth lowest in the league. Yeah, uh, they've been uh, finishing, uh, uh, though. Yeah, R- yeah. R- Ramirez is right. So Ramirez is... Um, and even Brown, Brown and Ramirez have been quite good. Um, so yeah, they've been outperforming their XG. Um, so they could have some mean reversion, but yeah, sorry, go on. Yeah, no, no, that's fine. Uh, but you know, they're not creating a lot. This is the big problem for them. Their, their, their XG, average XG in, in all games is like just, just touching one. And, and, they're, not, and they're not underperforming that in, 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 in overall play. So they've got a real issue there in creating chances and scoring goals. Uh, and then at the other end, they're kind of a, they're, they're not they're not losing a lot of chances, but they are conceding probably more goals than they should. And if you look at you know, the, you know the, the, they've shifted um, shapes and they've shifted systems quite a bit over the over the games. The uh, last three games, they've gone with the three at the back uh, with Brown dropping in as a centre back, and that's obviously going to take a bit of time to to settle in. Uh, I think Ramsey's missed uh, a few of the games he's been injured isn't he i don't know if he's fit for for this game yeah that's a good question yeah just yeah. Real, yes. real quick somebody on the in the comments saying he's still out okay well that's good okay. then well yeah, yeah. ignore everything i said on that yeah no ojo ojo who has been playing um he got sent off in the last game so i presume he'll he'll miss um and actually ferguson missed the last game i don't know if that was a suspension because he gets booked pretty much every other game or whether he's injured as well. So, but even so, if he's scared of Ferguson, then we should back up and go home. To be honest, to be honest with you, but um, but no, they seem to me to be a team really struggling to find a coherent way of playing with the parts that they have, really, really quite badly. So I would be quite confident. Um, but I think we're we're entering now where we're going to be playing. How many games is it? Like Eleven games between now and the end of the year, maybe. Um, and mm. the, the, the obvious risks associated with that in terms of personnel, tiredness. I mean, Jota, Jota for example, it's not just it's not even a case of injury. It's a case of, I, don't, I can't remember which game it was, where Turnbull was absolutely outstanding, and then the next game he could barely run. <laughs> he barely got anything out of him. Jota against St. Johnson, 
you know, some of his numbers were insane, you know, best player on the park. And then he was very peripheral. I know he scored a great goal, but other than that, he barely got on the ball, but it was very peripheral. And he's somebody who his his one of his super strengths is getting on the ball, as I've said before. So yeah. that, that those are my concerns. But in terms of this actual game, that they they look a bit of a mess to me in terms of how they're trying to play. Well, let's hope so, and let's hope that Celtic can continue their winning ways in the league. That is us done here on the Huddle Breakdown for another week. If you want to listen back to this podcast, it'll be on Spotify and on iTunes and anywhere you get your podcast as well. And we'll tweet it out from our Twitter account, which is at uh, Huddle Breakdown on Twitter if you want to follow us. And if you're watching on YouTube, do hit the subscribe button below as well because there's loads of different stuff on this channel, all Celtic-related, and you can get them uh, every single week if you hit the notification bar, it will give you a notification every time a video goes live. James, Alan, thanks very much. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. All right, we'll chat to you next week. Good luck. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.